All right, welcome back. It's another edition of the Wobcast. I'm your host, Mike Wobshaw, coming to you from TCO Studios at Winter Park. Producer Nate Vaughn, as usual, is here, and we have a guest on today's show, and he's going to join us for the duration. Beginning right now, it's Vikings radio network analyst, friend of the program here at VEN, former Vikings linebacker, former Vikings assistant coach, Pete Bursich. How you doing, Wobby? We're doing great. It's a different, uh, a little different format. Yeah, different. I'm kind of a little more used to this, I think. Yeah, well, um, you do a lot of radio. You do our games on the radio. You <laughs> fill in at KFAN. So this is a little bit in yeah, your wheelhouse. It is. It is. It's it, it's uh, comfortable. Yeah, very intimate, less formal than right. than the video you would say. Yeah, so, it but is. There's been so much going on here in the building. It's good to be back and. Um, it's different. Off season's always different. It's mm-hmm. not uh, as regimented. You don't, yep. you know, you're not worried about going in, uh, walking in through the facility or through the indoor practice facility and yeah. interrupting practice and things like that. I mean, right. guys are working out here and there, but that's that's changed quite a bit since since my day and back when Denny Denny didn't expect guys to stick around here all year round because they knew he knew that everyone lived elsewhere. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, you had to get in shape kind of on your own and made sure you did your own thing. Whereas nowadays, I don't think there's a team in the league that doesn't keep their players in-house all season long. And a uh, seasonal job has turned into a 10-month-a-year living in Minnesota job. Yes. Um, and there's so many different approaches one can have about the off season. Um, Like the more you practice, the fewer injuries you're going to have. But someone can come at you from the opposite and say, uh, "The more you practice, the more injuries you're going to have." And that 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 age old debate about um, you know how best to approach the off season and it gets collectively bargained and all that. But um, it is vastly different now than you know from when you were playing. Yeah, it is. Um, you have to look at it in. There's there's a, a risk to every reward. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're dealing with non-contact type practices, non-contact uh, situations in minicamp, you can really uh, you you can control kind of what situations are live, and I think that's the only uh, real risk. I mean, guys could it can we saw it with Teddy things can happen, mm-hmm. and there's just nothing that you can do about it. You can't bring the whole entire screeching business to a halt just to say, well, we don't want to get anybody injured because you know what? They can get hurt walking up the stairs, going into their house. I mean, they, yeah. it, a lot of things can happen. So those ifs never really go away. Um, so you don't want to, you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. You got to make sure that a lot of work is getting done, but you want to be smart about it. Yeah. Uh, I think we all know that the, the bigger injuries come when guys are fatigued. I mean, uh, when I see bigger injuries, you're looking at, injuries to joints and things like that when the muscles get tired they can no longer absorb what you're putting on them so that energy gets transferred to ligaments and those kinds of things so um i don't think anyone's getting pushed that far this time of year Mm -hmm. um but things yeah things can happen and those are usually going to be in live situations so if you you can control those a little bit but then again live is the only way that you're going to know how a guy responds, how a guy really looks. Yeah. Uh, but these guys are unbelievable athletes, and they should be able to practice and operate at a very, very high speed and still be able to avoid contact yeah. uh, at the at the ultimate time. 
Well, you're listening to Pete Bursich. He's joining us here on today's Wobcast. One of the reasons Pete is here is to um, to break down some film of our draft picks, Dalvin Cook, Pat Elfline, and tight end Bucky Hodges specifically. So Pete and I are going to do that after we record the Wobcast, so you can check that out uh, on Vikings.com this week and next week leading into OTAs. For now, though, we're going uh, to have Pete join us for the duration of the Wobcast. Producer Nate Vaughn is here. Nate, what do we have coming up here in the show uh, we know it's a busy time, um, even though it's the off season. It's a busy time, especially for us here in Ven, uh, with OTA starting next week, and uh, with Ven production days also being next week. Uh, but right in front of us right now is this edition of the Wobcast. So what do we got coming up? Well, uh, like you said, we're going to talk with Pete Bursich a little bit about what it's like, you know, doing play-by-play uh, for the Vikings. Yep. What Paul Allen's really like, maybe. Yep. We can get a little inside information. Let's spill some secrets. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, and uh, also, a few transactions still going on. We just yes. had the draft a couple weeks ago now. Obviously, transactions in the NFL are slowing down a little bit, mm-hmm. but uh, the Vikings just picked up another few players this past week. Yeah, they did, and let's talk about that right now, Pete. You will remember the name Will Sutton, if not from when he came out of Arizona State in 2014 as a member of the Chicago Bears. The Bears are the ones who drafted him. And you know, when John Fox came to Chicago, he brought with him um, – Vic Fangio is his defensive coordinator who runs an odd man front. Mm-hmm. And so here you have a, a guy, Will Sutton, um, who leaves the Bears, or the Bears actually um, released him, and it makes you wonder if they thought maybe he wasn't a scheme fit. Um, but the Vikings do think he's a scheme fit, but um, no matter where he's, you know, how you shake it, the Vikings add another defensive tackle to right. this roster. So your thoughts on adding a defensive tackle? You're adding a guy... Uh, for depth right now, I I don't necessarily think you're going to uh, uh, find a free agent starter or a guy mm-hmm. who's going to be. You know, you never know he could be, but you're not going to look at him. I think at this at this time as that kind of a guy. I think um, some things can be can be looked into and in saying did they see something in Jaleel that they didn't like in the uh, in the in the mini camps. Yeah. Uh, you know, I. I don't think you can just make a decision that quickly on somebody when you've only seen them for a couple days in a rookie camp. Um, they, We saw this, I think, all through last year when you had teams with a solid eight-man front, eight, eight defensive linemen that would get rotated in. Right. Uh, the Vikings were playing with six at times, seven. Uh, so there's some depth needed, and – uh, with what they require and what they ask of these defensive linemen to do when they're playing, uh, with they're either two gapping or playing a gap and a half, um, you got to have some fresh legs out there if you yeah. expect them to run on the football. And I think this is a this is a perfect example of that. Yeah, There's something um, to the Vikings offseason on defense here because they signed Dayton Jones who was perhaps a misfit in a three four defense in Chicago. Yeah, how about, I mean, how about that? How about we're it's just it's funny how the three four front used to be the odd literally the odd front where mm-hmm. it was only run here or there yeah uh, and nowadays it seems as if the four three front is the is the right <laughs> oddball <laughs> right. getting guys that yeah, yeah right. you don't want them we'll take them we'll yeah. put them in a you know in a four three yeah. and let them go so you get Dayton Jones out of a three yep. four defense out of Green Bay you get Will Sutton out of a three four defense out of Chicago you bring him in here and. By definition, they cannot play the position they played with their former team because that position does not exist here. And um, 
and so they're going to have to play a different position. The Vikings obviously have something very specific in mind. So. Yeah, in, in even in a 3-4 type front, you can still at times uh, shift the guys over on an edge and you, you kind of get the same front. Um, so you'll – you can still have bodies in the same positions. It's it's more the technique and what is asked of um, the defensive lineman. I think that's that's where the it really really varies. I mean, in a three four front, a true three four front, uh, your nose tackle and your and your two defensive ends have to be very big. I mean, they're space eaters. They take up at least one blocker, sometimes one and a half or two. Um, where in this situation, it's more about gap control. It's more about quickness, um, about those things. So. Um, a defensive lineman who is undersized or didn't didn't experience a lot of success in manhandling other offensive linemen could come here and 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 thrive and, and do well. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you see these guys from other teams come here, I, I don't think you can you can underestimate the effect of being in a room with guys like Everson Griffin is going to have guys like Brian Robinson. Um, you know the 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 amount the way that those guys set the tempo the way that those guys say this is how we practice you know Brian Robinson we were in in, in Cincinnati <clears throat> hottest day of two days he's out there who's out there early who's the first defensive yeah. lineman out Everson Griffin yeah so um, no coincidence that he's probably one of your best players either so those other veterans that come in they realize that hey this is not a place where I can go and and uh, coast for a year or two and maybe get lucky and get a yeah. Get a salary another year on the pension, that kind of a deal. They're yeah. they're you know they're here they're here to work. And Andre Patterson um, is freakish about technique. He's he's he has you know his technique and what he teaches matches the scheme. And uh, so those guys will come in and there will be there'll be a lot of pressure on them. They'll be yeah. able to see firsthand the guys in front of them doing the job. I'm glad you mentioned Andre Patterson because this is his second stint with the Vikings. His first came in the late 90s. Yeah, when so, I was here. He was so a D-line coach here. when I was playing, yeah. Okay, so you were a linebacker <laughs> yeah. during his first stint as a D-line coach. So yep. you you know him. Yeah, it's it's um, it was great to see a familiar face back in the building. Yeah. Um, the remarkable thing is he's he was able to – survive coaching in the NFL for that long Um, but he's also a testament to getting better I mean the players yeah they want to get better every single year that they can but the coaches um, are the same way and the game's changed quite a bit since our first time here together Um, but he's adapted and what he teaches now is completely again in sync with the defensive philosophy and how much the game has changed I mean it was not necessarily a three wide receiver league, uh, a nickel type situation. Eighty percent of the time, back in the late nineties, I mean, mm-hmm. you still had two back teams that liked to run the football, and you had uh, a base defense. Nickel was reserved for third down. Now we're seeing that creep into first and second down oh, yeah. more and more, and that affects the defensive lineman. Brings a linebacker off the field, adds another body to the defensive backfield, adds another twist to the defensive lineman in in terms of substitution. Because you can have a three wide receiver group that they like to run out of, one that they like to pass out of, certain downs and distances. So you may have a big nickel, a small nickel, yeah. a third down and long nickel, um, all those things. It, it, it's it's a situational game, uh, and matchups are always important. I think now teams are matching up personnel more than ever, and 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 Andre has definitely uh, uh, adapted to that and thrived. So yeah. congrats to him. Yeah, and he's uh, 
you know, he gets a player in Will Sutton again. Last thing on on Will Sutton here, I remember him coming out. He was a two time All American, two time All Pac twelve Defensive Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. Forty five well, tackles for right. losses. And, and with all these guys that a lot of these guys we've brought in, they they have the requisite height, weight, and speed to be effective defensive linemen. So what's missing? Well, or what what don't they have? Well, is it they can't stay healthy? Is it between the ears? It, it has to be one of those a fit. because they're big enough, fast enough, strong yeah. enough, right? Uh, is it the scheme? Right. So there's a, there's a lot of there are a lot of variables out there um, that that do and can affect. And we just hope with a guy like Sutton that um, yeah, the three four defense was was not really his fit, so to speak, and maybe he can find a home here and be a productive uh, alignment. But when you see guys like Tom Johnson. And some of the other guys we've had up front kind of come out of Shamar, Stefan. I mean, yeah. these guys come out of obscurity and start and play. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. if he's able to do that, then when you have experienced NFL talent come in, you would expect them, uh, as long as they are willing to accept the coaching and tempo and the work, um, that they'll be productive as well. Mm-hmm. Um I want to hit a couple of uh, topics quickly here with you before we get into the rest of the show, which is going to include some fan mail that we're going no, to get to. No Trump questions? Um, well, we could talk about no, that. No, that's okay. Thank okay. You. Too divisive. Well, uh, no. Yeah, there's enough it, to talk about. It's though. not politics. It's sports. Right. Um, there's definitely enough to talk about with that. <laughs> that's for sure. Um, okay. We have you in here to break down some film, which we're going to do later, not on the Wobcast, but later in the studio for the website. The Art of Breaking Down Film. As a coach and an analyst, I want to get your, you know, quickly your perspective on that because you did it f- literally for a living as a coach and even as a player. You yep. see so many analysts doing it on TV, and now the All Twenty Two for NFL Film is available to right. fans right. to watch. Fans can watch it, yeah. And so a lot of people do it and think they know what they're looking at, and and there are a lot of smart people out there who can who can watch and come up mm-hmm. with observations, and that's great, but. Not like you can do it because you did it for a living. So I just want the art of breaking down well, film, how I, you go about it. I, I think you learn it at different levels. Um, Antoine Winfield was a guy that was here who spent a lot of time uh, with younger players. And I think if you talk to any of the rookies, that have, the guys like Brian Robinson or uh, Harrison, Harrison Smith, the guys that have been here for a long time, that's one of the first things I think that they'll still say that they learned is you learn how to watch film. You learn how to watch cut-ups by down and distance, by personnel groups, by all those things. Uh, And then as a position player, defensive linemen, they're going to watch different things. They're going to watch very, very minute – just the minutia of the position – the the hand of the guy of the offensive lineman in the dirt is he heavy on his hand is he light on his yeah. hand are his heels flat are they up you know are there does the quarterback look left and right and then straight before he snaps the ball uh, you know the the they'll they'll record the cadence and and listen to that over and over again to see if they can pick up on something um, those are the those that, that kind of minutia a player has to love he's got he's got he has to want to come in here every day. Because he's not responsible for scheme. He doesn't determine scheme. He doesn't get to determine what coverages are run, what blitzes are run, any of that. What he gets, though, to determine and come in is where can I gain an advantage over somebody else? And when you meet with older guys, you just ask that question. What are you looking at? What are you seeing? You know, What, what, what is it that you notice um, – that let that that lets you know this is going to be a pass, even yeah. though it's a first and ten after a first down, right? Um, those are the little things that a player needs to do. I mean, like you look at Terrence Newman. There's no way he's bigger, stronger, or faster 
than what he was when he came out. But he's still as good of a player, if not better, than he ever was. Why is that? Because he knows when there's two receivers to his side and the slot receiver's on the line of scrimmage and the Z receiver's off and their spacing is is close or such, you know, if they're close, then he knows they're trying to stretch the field horizontally. If it's a balanced four-wide type look, then that's when you get stretched vertically. I mean, those are the things that he'll know. And by doing that, you cut the route tree – and yeah. what you expect to see, and then you can go jump. And when you do, when it does develop in front of you, you know it's coming. Boom! You, you can go after it and get it. And that makes up for so much. Instead of reacting, you're being proactive. Yeah. Coaching is completely different. In you, you watch film of the opponent to see what they do best. What is it that they do best? How do they like to go? How do they go about doing it? And then you have to sit down and figure out schematically how we're going to take it away. Um, and you do that for you do that a lot, and, mm-hmm. and you watch hours and hours and hours of film, um, and just by default you 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 learn the defensive coordinators, the other coaches in the room. They always they always find things, and, and you just take it and you put it in the back of your head, and you just remember it and remember it. And um, you know, you I've been around now twenty two years or so in the, in in this building and um, seen hundreds I mean hundreds and hundreds of football games and so much film that you eventually just you can see things very quickly yeah you know and um that's that's the benefit of all those hours and the other part of it is just knowing what matters and what doesn't matter um uh what's a you know what's the difference between a good run and a bad tackle yeah (laughs) you know what I'm saying things like that um whose responsibility is what um and if you have a little insight then you know that yeah, a corner might be getting beat one on one, but he should be getting help by if his alignment is such and such, he should be getting help by default inside because he's lined up outside. Or uh, is that an alignment error? Is it somebody you know? You kind of know what's wrong, mm-hmm. or it could be just unsound because sometimes that does happen. Yep. Um, but rarely at this level. Yeah. Uh, initial thoughts on the Vikings draft class. Uh, initial thoughts. Um, Cook's going to be the you know he's he'll be the draft class. I mean, if, yeah. if he can come in and 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 cure up a running game that really, I mean, let's be honest, can only go in one direction. We, yeah. It was it was glaringly um, inadequate last year, and that's mm-hmm. I guess being nice. But you can't you look at teams that go far in the playoffs. They're usually there's a balance. They're usually a top ten offense and a top ten defense somewhere near there. Um, that way, if the offense has a bad day, it's just like 98. The offense has a bad day. The defense has to be good enough to at least slow a team down to win. Um, when you are that deficient in a certain area, it allows defenses to kind of dictate terms. And, and you remember Bradford early on in the season, about four or five games into the season, saying, yeah, I'm seeing coverages I've never seen before. Because defenses are going to say, you know what, go ahead and try to run the ball. You know, we, we draw up a defensive scheme and we say, we're going to blitz, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. What's the weakness of all this? Well, what if they run the ball? And then they all kind of go, ha, ha, yeah. if they want to run the ball, let them run it. Whereas if a team has balance, you'd say, ah, you know, I, you know, we have, we're stopping Ezekiel it here, but we're, we're opening the, I mean, we're opening the door to Dak Prescott killing us. So right. when you have a balance, um, it becomes a lot harder to defend. Uh, he has to restore that balance. So in that respect, um, you know, he, he's, he, he's just a little bit like, you know, Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Um, you know, you got to kind of restore balance in the, in the, yeah. in the system and the force That's awesome. <laughs> and bring balance back to this offense. What in a the great NFL. analogy. Um, <clears throat> we lose Chad Greenway, Greenway to retirement, 20 to 25 snaps a game on defense, probably. Yeah. 
Um, well, yeah, that, but don't over don't overlook when his fill in because we have had Barr and Kendricks miss games every yeah. single year. Yeah, so that's a trend that's happened. You expect it to continue. You can't go into the season and, and just assume or really um, plan on those two guys being healthy all year round. Would you like to see it happen? Absolutely. But Greenway, when he stepped in and played, did a wonderful okay. job downhill, attacking downhill. Yeah. Um, so he he filled he. Filled the as a, as an older guy as a veteran, he did exactly what you want him to do. Because when one when, when Barr Kendricks was out, and then Greenway's in the huddle, hey, you don't miss a beat. Yeah. Everybody knows him. You're familiar with him. Uh, same voice, same type of communication, and it was seamless. And and that's how that's what we saw. So even though Greenway maybe didn't get the snaps that he he had when he was younger player. Um, he provided such a value, and I think that's something that this year is is a big question to you know above and beyond who's the number three quarterback and who's going to be the backup inside deep. Who's going to be that number three linebacker? That's yeah. that's a big question because it that is. that player um, is going to need to be the. Can he be the backup at Mike and Will or at Mike and Sam and then play? See, uh, third down defense. That's what where I was going to go with this is Barr and Kendricks are your best two linebackers right now. I think that you know the way you would based on how the Vikings have played Kendricks the first two years of his career, he's mm-hmm. been the Mike linebacker. So, but what if you determine that your third best linebacker on your roster is a Mike linebacker? What would you do? Well, if if that's the case, especially if it's a young guy, I know what you're. I know kind of where you're going with this, with the with the um, the kid that with, with the kid we got from Michigan, yeah, Kent, or uh, but, Ben Gedeon. Ben, yeah, with Gedeon. Is, also, Kentrell brothers from Missouri, though, right? But, yeah. He's saying Gedeon. Okay, you can be if he can be the Mike linebacker in base situations. Um, then you say that's what you worry about. You you just worry about the third downs, and I, don't even worry about the third down stuff, the nickel stuff. You're going to be a backup. Don't worry about that. Get the base stuff down. Mm-hmm. But that would require one of the other two linebackers to have to move and learn a new spot. Probably it'd be Kendricks in this case. Maybe out more in space. Maybe not. But then again, if he's only 20% of the time, base not, a, not a real big deal. Okay. Then he can go back to nickel on third down, which he's played all throughout his career thus far. So it wouldn't. you hate to add a guy and then have another guy get moved. Uh, where he has to learn a new spot because now you have two kind of unsure positions. You just love to be able to plug a guy in. Yeah. Um, so it's all you want to get your three best guys on the field, and if, if someone has to play out of position for a while, you'd like it to be the younger guy. But mm-hmm. um, in this case, I think Barr has been around, and Kendricks, you know, they've been around long enough where they can handle a, a move on base and then go back to their normal spots in nickel. Yeah. Uh, Kendricks can handle that. I think he's been sensational his first two seasons. Errol pointing up, on he him. has. And, and and one of the things with him is just the effort level. Yeah, I mean the effort, his effort level has been has been elite. Um, hustles more, I think, than anyone else on the defense. Yeah, I really do. You see these guys breaking big runs against us, and who's the one guy in pursuit? Right. Yep. Uh, Kendricks and and just that last year, that Tennessee game, he. It was first game. He looked a little hesitant, and then somewhere in that second quarter, the light just turned on, mm-hmm. and he started getting downhill and making plays. Then he makes the interception, and it was it was a neat thing to see. Yeah. So, um, if he continues with that effort, yeah, he's going to continue to get better too. Yeah, a neat thing for me to see is on game days when I sit between PA and Pete, and 
after a play is over, there's a TV monitor in front of us, and you know Pete will sometimes point to the monitor to something that has happened or to someone who's done something and thumbs up or thumbs down. Or, <laughs> and so often it's pointing at 54, thumbs up. Right. Like that guy. Yeah, and yeah. you're right. And, and so for us in the booth, whenever whenever you get uh, a satellite feed, as long as it's not the stadium feed, but a yeah. satellite feed, there's a delay. Yeah. Um, and the hard part, you look at the offensive coaches. Is an offensive coach, you know the play before the ball snaps. So you have a guy watching the front side, a guy watching the back side, a guy watching. Yeah. Uh, defensively, you got to do this, kind of do the same thing where someone watches the D line, someone watches the back. You can't see all of it in detail at once. But if you the play happens in front of us mm-hmm. and PA is calling the play by play, and you get that little delay, then I can look immediately to where that ball, you know, where kind of yeah. where it's going. So you, it's a it's it's a you get to cheat a little bit so you yeah. can see right where it happened, right exactly what happened. So yeah. uh, we always appreciate te- you know nationally televised games right. because there's a delay on the monitor. Yeah, it gives you an opportunity to, and sometimes you know you've you've had a great take on the initial play, and then you get a second take from watching the replay. Right. So you know it's a great tool. To right. Have. And then yeah, so I mean because on passing downs you can only you can only watch the back end or watch the DBs and the receivers. You can't see. And if the quarterback drops back and then gets sacked, you can't see exactly what happens. So you yeah. have to kind of either Abbott, who watches the front a lot, will pop in and say who got beat and or who you know who who won. And um, if you can get that replay in before, you can see exactly yeah. how he went about doing yeah. it. So it's a it's a it's a pretty fun experience. Um, all right, let's get into some fan mail. Love taking questions from fans, whether it's on the Monday Morning Mailbag or here on the Wobcast, because then I know we're talking about something the fans want to talk about, and that's what we're here to do. So Nate has three questions. We're going to... Three? Uh, yeah, three questions. Oh. Okay, time for three more. Um, we're going to go take these fan questions, and let's see what they got. Well, you guys were talking about the third linebacker spot for a while, a little mm-hmm. bit earlier. Um, Matt is asking about the third wide receiver spot. Matt says... Well, he says, who do you believe will take the wide receiver three spot? Yeah, so you have um, Diggs and Thielen as your first two. And, uh, you know, you hope it's Treadwell, I think. Um, but who's it going to be? We don't well, yeah, know. Yeah, you don't. And, and traditionally, the in the old school way, I guess, of thinking about it is is the, the what's the slot receiver? Well, he's normally the um, – not necessarily the guy with vertical speed, but the underneath type quickness. Yeah, you know, I mean, like uh, the Chris Carter of the world. You know, Chris Carter was was really that kind of guy. Um, so who who fits that mold? Mm-hmm. It, does Laquan Treadwell fit that mold? No, not really. So in that case, would you have to move one of the receivers? Either Diggs has that vertical stretch the field ability. So I don't. I would see him being. You don't want to reduce the formation with him too much. You want to keep him out in space. Okay. Um, Thielen would, I think, would be that guy, okay. the underneath guy. Yep. Um, could would be would would be absolutely able to fill that spot. Um, Laquan Treadwell, we you know he's we know he's tall enough, big enough, fast enough, strong enough. It's just a matter for him to 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 figure figure yeah. everything out and get himself going. I've heard a few good things about him so far in the offseason program, but we can't get too excited about that because they're running around in shorts. But, you know, <laughs> um, we'll see if he can step up. Yeah. All right. Question number two. Question number two is another receiver question. With the recent signing of Michael Floyd, do you see this offense becoming more of a four-wide receiver set with a single running back? Uh, I don't. You know, I, I don't know. know. I don't think so because yeah, you're. Th- that means your fourth receiver is going to have to be better than Rudolph. 
because right. Rudolph is technically the threat, and That's Rudolph gives more of a um, run possibility than you know. So yeah, you can you want to get your best four receivers on the field, um, and I think the tight end position lends itself. Even if your tight end is not technically your best receiver, it gives you some flexibility mm-hmm. because you can keep a tight end in to block and free release the running back, and now you have you're still getting your your four receivers out and five man protection. Whereas if you have another receiver in there, you can't possibly do that. Right. So the tight end position by default, I think gives you a lot more versatility. Um, when, when your fourth, your fourth best receiver in our case, probably a third best receiver, or maybe even higher somewhere in there is, is a tight end. So mm-hmm. I don't see the Vikings wanting to abandon the four wide set, um, you know, with the tight end in there, you make the edges a little wider. I mean, when you when you're just five linemen wide and one back in the backfield, um, it it makes the job of the defense a lot easier yeah. in blitzing, a lot easier in, in a number of different ways in learning and understanding the protections. Because if you get a formation and you you know out of this formation, I only get this protection, you're done. I mean, the defense will find a way to get to the quarterback. So. The tight end versatility. You can put the tight end and the running back in the backfield. You can put the tight end on one side. You can shift them over the other side. You can free release him, block the running back. You can keep him in and block and free, you know, and do. You could change up enough where um, I see that tight end position with Rudolph not coming off the field. Me, me too. I mean, I see us being twenty-two personnel before I see us being ten. So, um, and you know, we we signed Latavius Murray. We drafted. Who's going to play fullback in twenty-two? Well, that. I don't know. We're Morgan. gonna find out. Could Who's be. gonna play the other tight end? Well, Morgan. we move CJ Ham to. We move CJ Ham to fullback. Maybe Ooh, he good. can do it. Um, you know, we, we sign Murray, draft Cook, sign two starting tackles, draft Elf Line. I just don't. That to me means like we're really gonna try and run the football better. I don't see it being a four wide receiver <clears throat> set uh, very often. Question number three. Question number three from Toby in Alaska. He says, "Who is your guy to watch this year?" Toby's guy is Moritz Boringer. Okay. Also, Bucky Hodges. Okay. So he's he's got two guys. What, right. What's your one guy? I'll I'll go first on this one. <laughs> it's none of those. Um, although I wish them both well, and I yeah, am excited course. to watch Bucky Hodges. But um, to me, it's Mac Alexander because you lose Captain Munnerlin, and um, I think that opens up an opportunity for Mac Alexander in his second year to come in and earn playing time. And I think the Vikings took Waynes in the first round two years ago, and Mac Alexander in the second round last year, knowing that soon they would be without Terrence Newman and Captain Munnerlin. Right. They are without Munnerlin. Newman is back for one more year, yep. but this is Mackenzie Alexander's time. So to me, I'll be watching him. Yeah, I, 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 I think that he's, he's a key. I think the other guy that I, um, that I want to keep a good eye on, not necessarily he's, he's coming under anybody's radar, but is Daniil Hunter. Yeah. Um, had the opportunity to, to bump into him um, over the weekend at, Brian Robinson's fishing tournament down in Wabasha, and he's—I mean—he's becoming a man in front of our eyes. I mean, yeah. that was—I remember him coming out of college. That was one of the things. He's just not very big. He's just—he's a lanky, long type pass rusher. Well, folks, he's filling in, yeah. and he's getting—he's not—he's not getting any smaller. He's yes. just getting bigger and stronger. Yeah. Um, and with again with guys like Everson Griffin and Brian Robinson in the room, showing them the way. Yep. Man, is that kid? He he's he might be the guy to dethrone uh, at defensive end. And I mean, is that will he be able to 
fill Brian Robinson's spot. I don't know. You got to be a little. And when you're playing that base end and you have the tight end to your side most of the time, um, yeah, you got to you got to be a little bit better in the running game, which I don't think is necessarily Daniel's forte. Mm -hmm. But oh my heavens, when you get the third down, <laughs> I mean, yep. you have Brian inside him on the outside. Rob, you know, it, it's set him loose. Yeah, just turn him yeah. loose. Yeah, turn him right. loose. Um, all right, that's it um, for fan mail. That's it for the show. A few housekeeping items here before we go. One, uh, coordinator interviews. We've interviewed Pat Shermer, George Edwards, and Mike Prefer. The Pat Shermer interview is up right now. The other two are coming up shortly. So go to the website to check out those three interviews for the first time we hear from um, from our coordinators here in the offseason. Stefan Diggs toured the new practice facility um, in Egan. And so we have articles, videos, and photos from that. Um, the website has uh, has more coverage of that. Were they looking for thoughts and ideas, or what, you know, or is he just kind of checking it out? Yeah, well, I mean, I think maybe I he's mean, got um, you know post career saying, aspirations. Well, yeah, he wants to be a construction he, foreman. <laughs> <laughs> Can't or see just, him do that. I'd see him more in architecture. Okay, than yeah, construction so, foreman. You know, uh, what I mean? so, so that's why they brought him along. Yeah, so go to the website, check. That I just out. hope they have a lot of windows because that's one thing this place is lacking. Yeah, I think there will be. I mean, it, good lord, we bricked them all up, and I mean, transparency. Grant, Bud Grant bricked every single window up right. in the coach's offices because back then film was film and you had to watch right. it in the dark. Right. So you don't see, and, and most of the players stay in the basement. Mm -hmm. They don't see, you don't see sunlight. When it's late in the winter, I remember as a player, you get here at 6.30 in the morning, 7 o'clock, the sun's not even up yet. Yeah. You're in the building all day. You don't see the sun. You're outside in the practice facility, no windows, and you go home at 5, you don't it's, see the sunlight yeah, all day. And yeah. that, Hey, and Fred Zamberletti would say, you know, that uh, that takes a toll on a guy. Yep. So I'm just saying, well, make sure there's a lot of windows. There's going to be a on. lot of windows. Good the stuff new, on good. The new good. thing, the new thing in like office buildings and stuff is to have like clear window um, windows, like even inside, like you can see into people's offices and all that stuff. That's what's going to be going. On. Mm. It's going to be very transparent. Mm. That's mm. the buzzword. Sounds good. Anyway, I was also out there, and it's coming along. It looks really good. Good. All joking aside, looking, I mean, I drive by it every day. It's amazing how yeah. quickly that thing's going up. Yep. Yeah, working hard over there um lastly uh you've been listening to pete bursich for the last 20 or so minutes if you want to get more from pete go to twitter if you like high school football because pete is the head coach at hill murray high school if you like music if you like space and if you like football you'll enjoy following pete bursich on twitter at yeah, pete kinda, bursich kind of random but it is what it that's, is that's that's basically what what you're about <laughs> isn't it it is yeah, yeah. so yeah. go go to twitter and follow pete at pete bursich on twitter uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the Wobcast. We're going to be back next week with another edition, uh, so please stay tuned for that. Continue to send in your questions to us via, me, uh, via email because we always enjoy hearing from you. So on behalf of our guest today and our friend Pete Bursich and on behalf of producer Nate Vaughn, I'm your host Mike Wobshaw signing off for now.